y'all get ready for another edition of News and Trends with your host, Dave and Lynn. Welcome, welcome, welcome to News and Trends with Dave and Lynn. I am one of your hosts, Mr. David Coker, proprietor of Dave Mark Inc., uh, promoter, event planner, um, media specialist, marketing specialist, music management, all-around good guy. I can go on and on, but I figured I have to leave some room for my partner, Mr. Leonard Young. What's going on, sir? Hey, Dave. Everything is good. This is Leonard Young, CEO of National Black Guide, DelawareBlack.com. Black media specialist and all around good guy. How's it going, Dave? Hey, it's going, man. It's going. I uh, I can't complain. Uh, you know, it's been a fast and furious last week or so. Um, I t- I swear the days are just going by too fast anymore, man. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, here we are. We we're pushing into the fall and. Uh, you know, the weather's been kind of crazy. It was kind of cool last week. This week has been warm already. And, you know, we got, you know, we got to make sure that we keep things on the upswing because we got a big weekend this weekend, right? Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. We got a big weekend this weekend. We'll, we'll be talking about that as the show goes along. Um, but it is what it is, man. I mean, you know, um, uh, my highlight of the weekend was uh, my church. Uh, we did our annual fish fry. That did went very well. Did, nope, did you save me any fish? fish man. Nah, nah. You wouldn't want fish sitting around all this time anyway. You know, so. You know, but if you had called a brother, I would have, you know, I would have dropped <laughs> one at your door. I would have oh, oh, left oh. a dinner at your door. <laughs> well, well, I mean, Dave, I, I didn't know you were doing delivery. If I knew you were doing delivery, yeah. I would have uh, door dashed you. Uber East. Yeah, folks, we live around the corner from each other, basically. <laughs> you know, so, you know, so, um, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, and look, you know, I, I, I've been kidding about this, but it just tells you, you know, how, how things kind of fall into place. We, um, fed the masses that particular day, uh, with fish and five loaves of bread. Now, I don't know if you know the significance of that. Um, this is testing Leonard's uh, Dave, religious on, background. Hey, come on. Yeah, you, you, you ever heard that? You've heard that reference before, right? Uh, yes. Did you turn water into wine, too? No, not this time, man. <laughs> we, we couldn't do that. We couldn't do that. But we literally have, we literally bought five loaves of bread to, <laughs> and it, it, it lasted just long enough. Uh, we ended up with like seven or eight slices of it left. That wow. was it, you know. So, so it, it was a good day, man. We did very well, and we want to thank everyone who may be listening that did uh, participate and came and purchased uh, a dinner or a fish sandwich or some sides. So, yes, yes. What yeah, about you? What was the highlight of your weekend? Dave, so huh? um, the the curious listeners wanted me to ask you if you prepared any of the food. No, I did not. But we have, uh, let me see, one of our listeners uh, um, did um, 
Blanda. Uh, you heard me reference Blanda before. Yeah. She uh, made, uh, yeah, well, she participated. One, one of she our faithful out. listeners. And one of our faithful listeners, yep. She, she, uh, she uh, cooked and helped serve that day. So, so I have to say thank you for uh, Blanda and, um, you know, and she did a great job that day. So, um, and everything was delicious too, man. It's a shame that you missed out on it, you know. <laughs> I ate your share though, though. Don't worry, I ate I'm, some for you. I'm sure. You know, so. Yeah. Okay. Yep. But, but, um, what was the highlight of your weekend? Yeah. So I'm Dave. I was at an eventful weekend. So two things that I thought were really great. So one of my friends, fellow business owners, um, Eunice LaFate, who owns an art gallery here in Wilmington. It's a folk art gallery here in Wilmington. She had her eighth anniversary celebration of her, of her business storefront. And um, about a month ago, she asked me to deliver the welcome address. And so, of course, the event was this past Saturday. It was a it was a great turnout. And she is um, she's originally and now just a quick summary day. Are, are you familiar with uh, Eunice LaFate? Mm-hmm. OK, so yes, I mean, of course, her, her, her gallery is 227 North Market Street, not far from uh, Connie Drummond, um, you know, where, where she used to. Um, does she still have the storefront down there? Yeah, she's as far as I know, she hasn't she hasn't moved okay. yet. Um, yeah, so yeah. yeah, so not far from. But long story short, she had her eighth um, anniversary celebration, a nice event. She, um, her biggest recognition that that I like to say is that um, she has lithographs of her work in Bill Clinton's presidential library in Little Rock, Arkansas, and of course, she has a whole host of other awards and recognition from state of Delaware, the city of Wilmington, um, as well as others. So um, it was a good turnout. You know, some great people showed up. And again, I just like to congratulate her in eight years because we know being a black business owner with a storefront surviving the pandemic and selling art, you know, is a, um, you know, no feat that we should take lightly. Yeah, she is a incredibly talented person. Um, the Lafayette family, I know a lot of the Lafayettes. Um, and, um, you know, and I met her, um, myself before. So I do know who she is. And, but uh, I got a question for you. How did you come about being the welcome address person? So, Today, to be honest, I'm not actually sure. So I've known Miss LaFay for many years. So I knew her before she started her um, the gallery. And I was trying to rack my brain to, to remember if, if I was at her um, gallery grand opening. But, you know, every time I see her, you know, I always try to support. Um, I do have a couple of her paintings. And one of the stories that I told, and this is what she would always tell me, she said, you know, Leonard, Leonard, um, art is an asset. Art is an investment. And, you know, she wished she could get more African-Americans to understand that art is an investment. And I remember when I went to her, her gallery for the first time and she said, Leonard, you know, do you see any pieces that you like here? And I pointed out to a piece that I like, but it was above my price range. 
And Dave, you know, I think we as African-Americans, when we can't afford something, we have a tendency to say something like, you know, um, I like it, but, you know, I'll get back to you, you know, you know, mm-hmm. um, give me a couple of weeks and I, you know, I'll see. <laughs> and, yeah. and she's, and she said to me, she's like, well, if you like it, she's like, you know, I'll work it out for you. And I'm, you know, I'm thinking she's going to discount the price. You know, she, she's meeting me on my level. She said, here, you can, you can pay a hundred dollars today and a hundred dollars every month, but you can take it home today. So she basically gave gave me a payment plan where I where I could take it on the spot, and you know I think that well, was that's interesting. Yeah, and but you know I like that because when when you think of an investment, you know an investment doesn't always come easy, you know, and it, it doesn't always come on your level. But you know, paying a hundred dollars a month for however many months I paid for that artwork made me value that piece even more. And I, you know, I understand that um, art is an investment. And Dave, I can't remember if we talked about it on the show. And I, I'll be brief because I feel like I'm over talking. Um, recently around social media, they were talking about Eddie Murphy had purchased the uh, Ernie Barnes painting, The Sugar Shack, which we, we all recognize from the right. Good Times intro right. for $50,000. And recently a duplicate of the of the exact painting that he has uh netted over 15 million dollars at auction so you know when we just talk about investments you know we we can recognize that art is an investment it definitely is an investment and and especially with um certain artists and so forth if you and and you know what else has you know when it comes to art and selling and all of that kind of stuff timing is very important with art you yeah, know <laughs> very important because you can buy a piece for a thousand dollars um that's very, very well liked or whatever the case may be something happens to the artist all of a sudden <laughs> yeah skyrocket. you know you know that piece can double or triple in in value right away you know so right. Um, so yeah, timing is everything, and yes, it is definitely an investment, and um, and she's definitely uh, a treasure here in Delaware when it comes to uh, that type of stuff. So yeah, and and Dave, yes. um, e- even though I will say you do the majority of the guest booking, I'm glad to get with Miss Lafay because I mean she has a she has a great story, and you know just you know, some some good information to share. So um, hopefully, well, yes, I would love to, I would love to talk well. I would love to talk with her. I know um, artists, we don't get a chance to talk with a lot of, so far we've only had one on the show actually. So, mm-hmm. um, and we have a lot of talented artists in the area. So yes, uh, definitely try to uh, get that, make that happen. I would love to speak with her. Okay. Um, well, I guess we can go ahead and get into the show. Um be on the lookout this weekend, folks. Uh, speaking of talented people and, and um, you know, the, who's who in Delaware, our own Mr. Leonard Young and his beautiful wife, Miss Yolanda, will be um, doing their grand opener, opening this uh, weekend for the GNR campground, um, where they're going to have a lot of festivities during the day. 
what are some of the things you guys are planning to do? Yeah, so Dave, you know, I, I think the biggest um, benefit for our people are the biggest attractions. So, of course, we're going to have music uh, by DJ Tim Dog. We also going to have free food. Um, and then we're going to have an opportunity for people to take a tour of the campground, such as our cabins, our activity hall, our um, office slash camp store. Some of the amenities we have, such as the lawn game garden, the swimming pool. Now, of course, the pool is closed, but, you know, they can view it. Um, the activity hall the hammock park, the the learning library, and, you know, a couple other things. So that's some of the daytime. And, of course, that will be capped off by um, a ribbon-cutting ceremony. So we have two um, people who will kind of be conducting the ribbon-cutting. One will be the, Del- Del- the Delaware Black Chamber of Commerce, and the other one will be the, the Greater Milford Area Chamber of Commerce. So those are some of our daytime activities, and that'll be from 2 to 4 at uh, GNR Campground 4075 Gun and Rod Club Road, Houston, Delaware. Okay. And I know you said Houston, people, but it, it looks like Houston. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. You know, they, you know, it's, it's, you know that's how you tell. Thing. That's how you tell uh-huh. who's from the area, or not based on what they say when they see H O U S T O N. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's like Newark and Newark. <laughs> you yeah, know, Newark. so yeah. you know, <laughs> so. Uh, and um, we'll be capping off the night, by the way, with a after party after all the festivities during the day with an after party featuring DJ Tim Dog. Um, we'll have food and um, drink and good time. Um, you guys can uh, check on our um, you can check on our, our, our Facebook pages and we've been posting it everywhere. It's on Eventbrite. It's everywhere. So um, we don't do do we have it on the news and trends? dot com page i don't think so but we'll have to put it on Good. it will be up there okay so but we look forward to seeing everyone um come on out and have a good time and what's so important about this folks he didn't mention it but i'm gonna mention it to you what's so important about this is this campground has only been owned by blacks it's very important it's a black owned business and, you know, when Leonard and and Yolanda um, took took on this investment and everything, you guys are the third owners, right? Um, at least that we know of. So, I mean, I'm sure yeah. there may. I'm sorry, the third family of owners. Yes. Owners, the third family of owners. OK, so, you know, they so and that's in. How far back of the history that you know of? So at least to the early 1900s. There you go. Think about that, folks. You know, that says a lot and that it's been able to stay. Hmm, excuse me. It's been able to stay in, in um, Black-owned um, families um, in the hands of Black-owned um, people uh, and families um, all this time. That really says a lot. So... Um, it is something that's truly remarkable and something that definitely um, should be supported. So, um, 
And that's what we're going to try to do is try to show it off this weekend. So hopefully we get to see all of you guys. Okay. Getting into our show. Okay. Um, our first story, you know, the stories that we're going to talk about today, they kind of come all from different areas. But um, this first story I thought was interesting. Um, South Carolina teacher gets in trouble for teaching uh, um, Nahisi Coates um, CRT book. Have you heard of this guy, by the way? Of who? The teacher? Yeah. Um, I briefly heard of it, but I mean, I'm not, not familiar. He's not the teacher. He's not the teacher, but oh yeah, yeah, the artist. He, it's his book. Yeah, he's a book. He's a yeah. um, he's an author. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, you heard of? Is isn't this the same author who wrote? Um, oh no, okay. Um, I have heard of. Him, yes. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, I yeah, I had heard of him briefly. But I didn't know how big he was until recent. I mean, he's written on quite a few books. I didn't realize that, you know. So, um, and uh, I think his most popular book is Between the World and Me. I think that's it. Yeah. Now, the yeah. the yeah. one I'm familiar with because my wife had bought it for um, her daughters is The Water Dancer. Now, I'm not familiar with what the subject of that, but um, I, I do recognize the cover. I just Googled it real quick. Okay. All right. Well, let me let me just read um read a little bit about this. It says a teacher in South Carolina found herself in trouble for teaching a book written by Ta Nahisi um Coates, citing the Washington Post. Um it reports that Coates' book Between the World and Me was taught by English teacher Mary Wood. Um, who was reported by two of her students. Woods sought to use the book to teach her all-white class about what it means to be Black in America. Excuse me. Black in America using Coates literature. The students later informed the school board that Wood was attempting to discuss race in her classroom. In emails to the school board, the students expressed their um, thoughts on being uh, between the world and me and was teaching of the literature written writings that Coates' book made them ashamed to be white. Her lesson violated a South Carolina provision that forbids teachers from making students feel discomfort, guilt, anguish, or any other form of psychological distress um, hold on for one minute. Have some technical difficulties here. Here, okay, here we go. Uh, on account of their race, the post reports the bill in question is uh S two forty six. With which South Carolina passed in the early two, two in early two thousand twenty three, according to sc.statehouse.gov, s two forty six 
requires teachers to implement policies respecting the intellectual freedom and dignity of each student, teacher, and staff member. It goes on to note how similar the bill is to Florida's infamous law in that it demands that instruction and teaching materials on topic enumerated in this section must be consistent with the six principles related to race and gender. Now, this is why I wanted to get to the six principles, which include, number one, no race is inherently superior to another race. Number two, no person is inherently racist, sexist, or oppressive, whether consciously or unconsciously, solely by virtue of the individual's race or gender. Number three, no person's moral character is inherently de uh, determined by his race or gender. Number four, a person by virtue of his race or gender does not bear personal responsibility for actions committed in the past by other members of the same race or gender. Number five, a person should not be instructed that he must feel guilt, anguish, or other forms of psychological distress for actions in which he played no part, committed in the past by other members of the same race or gender. And number six, an individual should not be discriminated against or receive adverse treatments due, to sol due solely to his race or gender. Now, let me stop right there. Have you ever heard of these six principles? Um, I have never heard them um, all together. Um, now, th that first one I have heard. I feel like the first one gets repeated the most. Right. Um, okay. I have not heard yeah, them I, as you read them. I, I've, all, I've heard of the six principles. I just never read them. That was the first time for me. When I saw this article, I said, oh, that's the six principles. Um, I was watching something on TV. And I want to say it was uh, Cornell West that was talking about it. And he kept talking about these six principles and so forth and so forth. But he wouldn't say what they were. He said, if you want to know what they are, you need to look them up. That's what he kept saying, because he felt if you didn't know what they are, that you need to take a look at them. Right. So you can determine, you know, for yourself, he said. And a lot of people, especially in the South, live by these six principles, you know. So um, it goes on to say, in addition to feeling the same by Woods teaching and pointing out the violation of the bill, the reporting students mentioned that reading between the world and me felt like reading hate propaganda towards white people. I'm going to stop right there. You, you're a white parent. <laughs> John comes home and says, my teacher who's black read this from this book and has been teaching from this book about what 
black people have had to go through at the hands of white people. Excuse me. So what's your first reaction to that? As a white parent? (laughs) Be honest, I'm not sure. I don't know how to think white. (laughs) Okay. Um, So I guess my first reaction would would you well would you be upset? So I mean, you know, it it really depends. So it it I feel like it depends on what type of white parent you are. Cause my first reaction would be, you know, this is the history. This is what happened. And you know, and my, my second reaction would be Damn, Dave, you you got me thinking like a white person. My second reaction well, would be probably something similar to that. Well, if it's making you upset, let me call the teacher and see what why why are they making <laughs> you upset in class. But you know what's so funny? The reason I asked you that question, you know what's so funny about this whole thing? Haven't we been taught this way all of our lives? Yeah. Well, you know, when you said Yeah, it, because when... I mean, haven't they told us what they want to tell us all this time? And they listen to this, right? When we're talking about slavery and we're talking about black people being killed, robbed, beat, stolen from is it the white people who feel bad or is it the black people who feel bad? And on, on the on the second note, so we think about you know the Holocaust. Are they not going to teach the Holocaust either? Because I'm sure all that makes maybe the the people who are Jewish feel a little funny. You know, do do white people feel weird about that too? Like, are, are we taking all the Jewish books out and what the Diary of Anne Frank and all those too? And what about the Indians? Oh man, and the Mexicans. <laughs> what? They, yeah, there you go. What about See, the Mexicans? So, but and, but and, it goes and, back and, to and what I, did, it goes back. Go I, I was just gonna say, did didn't we um put Japanese Americans in concentration camps here in America during like one of those world wars too? Yeah, we sure did. But then it 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 also it all goes back to that the question I just asked you. How would you feel if you were a white parent? Well, as black parents or being children of black parents, we have been taught we have been taught what they wanted to teach us all these years. Right. You know, the whitewashing of um, um, of America and our history has been told to us ever since we can remember is just starting to become relevant that a lot of that stuff was lies. Uh, A lot of it was untruths. There were people who got credit for things that shouldn't have got credit for things. Um, So there was a lot of whitewashing that went down, you know, um, this book now the fact that this woman chose to read from this and teach from this book of course she took a big risk and and you know as far as now as far as when the story the article was written um 
he still was still working. And um, now there was a a letter of reprimand that was sent to her, but she is still working for the school district and everything. But you know, and of course, I think the school's really smart in thinking: Do we really want to just fire her for telling the truth? Right. You know, um, the fact that she chose to, to to teach from that book. You know, I mean, it, it could be a little tough because you know when you're teaching a group of impressionable uh, students, but. She may have felt they needed to know. Right. And especially being in South Carolina. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. You know? Because, um, you know, they've had their issues in South Carolina. They really have. So, um, and when you ride through South Carolina, you could, you, you see it's 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 definitely the landscape is definitely interesting when you ride through South Carolina, you know. So, but I just thought it was interesting that uh, she, well, first of all, that she was bold enough to do that, right? And uh, I mean, and and actually, I might have to take a look at that book and see what's in it. You know, mm-hmm. I've you know I've heard good things. I've just never picked it up but now i'm gonna i'm actually gonna see what it's teaching because you know there's a lot of things that we need to educate ourselves on and uh some of it is very good reading and some of it is definitely educational now of course it's educational to those that want to be educated right exactly right so but we'll 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 definitely have to keep an eye on what happens with that uh, all right. That's my first story. What's going on with your? Yep. So um, this was a story I just saw recently. So um, just want to congratulate um one one of your one of your uh one of your favorite basketball teams former stars, um Shaquille <laughs> O'Neal, recently opened um twenty franchise locations. Of his big chicken restaurant in 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 Michigan, so you know, Dave, this is actually new to me. I I was not familiar with this, but um, so big chicken is a um a fast casual chicken concept founded by Shaquille O'Neal. Of course, is backed by investors, but they recently op- they recently signed an agreement to bring twenty locations of the restaurant two different areas of Michigan, including, of course, Detroit, Ann Arbor, Lansing, Flint, Saginaw, and Mount Pleasant. So, um, you know, of course, um, the big chicken, and I, I've not heard of it, but they, of course, um, focus on quality and flavor. And they say, of course, it was an easy decision to bring it to Michigan. They're excited for the rapid growth. The first location will be in Vienna Township, Michigan. But, you know, Dave, I don't know if you know, um, and I, I've seen a lot of memes around social media. Shaq owns a lot of businesses. Yes, he does. And, yeah. Yes, and when I say a lot of, not not just Papa John's, 
he owns like literally and I, I was trying to look for the meme of some of the stuff he opened he um he owns but like he really owns a lot of businesses including car washes and and all that other stuff so you know just want to con- congratulate Shaq on continuing to you know expand his brand because um I would not be surprised if, if he's billionaire status in the next year or two as well. Oh yeah, he, yeah, he owns a ton of things. I think he's he's high. He's a high investor in the general insurance. Um, um, he's high investor in um, what am I thinking about? Um, Car Shield. You know, he's got big money in mm-hmm. that too. Right. Uh, right. Um, then he owns. He, you know, he owned a couple of theaters. He, owned, I mean, I think yeah. he has some car washes. I mean, he's got a little yep. bit of everything. You know, and so. In fact, Dave, I just found it. He owns several Five Guys. Yeah, that's several, right. Yep, several Papa Johns. He owns forty twenty-four hour fitness centers. Mm. He owns multiple Krispy Creams. Of course, he founded. And, uh, you know, signed an agreement for 20 big chicken restaurants. He owns 17 Auntie Annie's and he owned 150 car washes. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And then did you see the Icy Hot and, you know, the other <laughs> stuff that he's invested oh, yeah. in? Yep. Yeah. The, the, yep. the endorsements. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he, um, Oh wait, he owns Lebanese likenesses. Mm-hmm. Elvis Presley, Marilyn Monroe, Muhammad Ali, David Beckham, Julius Irving. Wow. Okay. <laughs> okay, I did yes, that. Um, I mean, Shaq is definitely doing his thing. Yeah, now, I'm surprised he's not on that billionaires list yet. Right. But he he has done very well ever since he he left basketball. He um he followed the Magic Johnson um blueprint because Magic mm-hmm. Johnson, of course, you know, was the first right. basketball player to really step out and and own a bunch of stuff, you know, like that, you know. And now, you know, Magic, you know, Magic and. You know, he's part owner of a couple of sports franchises and everything now. So, um, so, but that, that, that's great because, you know, you know, it was said, uh, not too long ago when, um, they were talking about LeBron James that LeBron James doesn't need to shut up and dribble. Mm-hmm. Um, basketball players, you know, there's a lot of them that do very well with with um, with their um, money and and investments after basketball careers are over. A lot of them own and go in and buy restaurants and so forth and so forth. And you know, it's just smart um, business. And Shaq, Shaq is a very likable person. You know, they you know he's like a big kid and he can relate right. to anybody. You know. And, you know, that kind of personality goes a long way when it comes to business, and especially if you're a black man. So, um, you know, now, of course, there's been some detractors. Some people have called him Uncle Tom because, you know, he's smiling and 
you know, laughing and you know getting you know getting in bid with a lot of white investors and and um big shots or whatever but that's how you stay rich <laughs> you know he knows what he's yeah. doing and, and dave you, you know what the more you elevate yourself from the common people the more they're going to talk about you anyway so oh yeah oh yeah definitely definitely i mean you know you and and he brings a lot of his stuff to the hood. Like those places that he's opening these restaurants, they mm-hmm. he ain't taking them to the birds. He's taking them to right. the hood, you know. Right. So, so, um, but that's great. I'm glad to hear that. That's a good. That's a good look for Shaq. Uh, way to go, sir. Way to go. All right. Uh, moving on to our next story. Family of eight year old girl fatally shot by um, Pennsylvania police uh, reaches $11 million settlement. I don't know if you guys remember this story that happened in PA. Uh, Just kind of give you some background on it. The family of an eight-year-old girl who was shot and killed by police gunfire near a Pennsylvania high school football game in 2021 that time is going fast. It seems like it just happened. Yeah. yeah, it has. Yeah. Has settled this lawsuit against the Philadelphia suburb. It's police chief and the three officers involved for the $11 million settlement. Her, na- her name is Fanta um, Belitti, um, who shot and, and well, who was shot and killed when police opened fire on a car in a Pennsylvania's um, Sharon Hill borough, um, CNN previously reported. Police started shooting after after a verbal fight. Um, between teens escalated to a gunfire status, according to officials. Three others were also injured in the shooting, including Fanta's 12-year-old sister who was inside the car. Three former police officers, Brian Devaney, Sean Dolan, and Devin Smith, were fired and later sentenced to probation in connection to Fanta's death in May. They pleaded guilty to charges of reckless endangerment. The three were initially charged with manslaughter, and involuntary manslaughter, but the charges were dropped as part of a plea deal. There's no amount of money that will ever bring Fanta back or erase the memory of the horrible tragedy that occurred on August 27th, 2021. Um, from our minds, says Sadiq um, Kamara, a spokesperson for the, uh, for the family. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pause right here. When you hear these kind of stories and you know the settlements or lawsuits or whatever, and the money's awarded, and even though it may be a lot of money, and of course, we're talking about millions here. We're not talking about eleven thousand. We're talking about eleven million. And I think you said this. Well, we kind of briefly talked about it earlier. Is there any amount of money that would make you feel okay that you lost a loved one? Yeah, I mean, I mean they, probably not. 
you know, and I think it's hard, like the younger the child is, you know, just so much life that, you know, they could have lived. So, I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, there, there's, there's no amount. I mean, I don't know what the cap is and, you know, I'm sure every year, well, you know what? I'm I'm sure what they do is they probably do it based on precedent where, you know, they'll look at cases similar and see what they got. And then they'll probably raise the mm-hmm. bar a little bit. But I mean, kind of like you said, they, you know, you lose a child, nothing can bring that child back, you know, whether it's 5 million, 10 million, 20 million. So, um, you know, I mean, I hate to say, of course, money is a consolation, but, you know, th- I guess that's how it's viewed in, you know, in our justice system. Yeah. And of course, you know, with that money comes more problems as well. I mean, because now, do you do things because you have the money? Meaning, or do you do things that you use towards trying to establish some things or help to put some things in place to keep things from uh, like this from happening again, you know? Or making sure that your daughter or your loved one's name is forever used to spread goodwill, um, you know, through going out and lecturing and, you know, um, setting up funds for uh, children, you know, in those neighborhoods where there might be a lot of issues, Um you know, I mean, eleven million is a lot of money, but it could be easily spent. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I, I agree. And you Dave, know. on top of that, and I'm I would assume it's tax free, but is that tax free money? I hope so. Yeah, so I hope so. Um because I mean, if they tax it, they're going to take 33 and a third. So that brings right. it down to like about 6 million or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I just think that, um, the officers, I mean, any, you know, even with the officers, they relatively, I mean, they avoided jail time. They never did figure out which one of the officers, uh, you know, shot the fatal shot, you know. Right. But, um, but it 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 is, um, you know, sad because you have children. I mean, my children are, are older than your children, but still, they're children. Yeah. I would never. I would hate to think that I ever had to bury somebody that way. Right. Know? So, yeah. So. But, but that is good news that they, you know, they were able to come to some type of settlement and, um, you know, be able to award the family with something. And um, hopefully this will be something that's used to build up the child's memory and to make sure that her memory never leaves their minds. And the people who have been most affected by this minds. So, um, 
I, I had been paying attention to this story off and on, and I'm so glad that they were able to uh, come to some type of agreement. So that's good. Yeah, uh, I agree with that, too. Okay. All right, moving on to our next story. Um, this is a familiar story because, uh, <laughs> you know, we've been hearing about this for a long time. But finally, it looks like they're making some progress as to, excuse me, this whole case. So apparently there's been an arrest in the Tupac Shakur murder. Uh, murder um, following de- decades of um, conspiracies. It says the death of Tupac Shakur after a drive-by shooting in Las Vegas remains a high-profile cold case for almost 30 years. It's been 30 years, man. That's crazy. Yeah, it, it is crazy. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then, you know, it's, it's crazy. They talked about catching the person, but I mean, I have not heard how, how did they determine this was the person? Yeah, I mean, the only way they'd attack it, well, uh, what other way? Somebody snitching. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, somebody got paid or somebody to drop the tip that probably led somewhere, you know? So, but I still can't get over the 30 years. Boy, that's amazing. Stroking, um, it says case for almost 30 years, stroking, uh, stalking, um, rap robbery conspiracies. Excuse me. And media coverage around who would want the influential hip hop star and actor did uh, says then a breakthrough. Las Vegas police announced that on Friday, the arrest of a suspect, Dwayne Keith David, one of four people thought to have been in the white Cadillac that pursued Shakur on September 7, 1996. A grand jury indicted Davis, 60 years old, on a murder (laughs) charge. (laughs) No, that's crazy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, On a murder charge, an outcome that has surprised a few after the former Los Angeles gang leader wrote a, oh, here we go, (laughs) wrote a 2019 self-published memoir. Oh my goodness. Compton. Yeah, so here you know. So okay. <laughs> uh, you know, people are telling on themselves, and I haven't even finished this statement yet, but people are telling on themselves in a lot of ways nowadays. You know, because I've heard more and more things about people doing rap records and telling on themselves and rap records and all kinds of craziness nowadays, right? So but this well, guy, when they yeah, Dave, anytime you hear former gang leader and memoir, you know, it, it, it's okay. What are you going to be talking about as a former gang leader unless you're talking <laughs> yeah, about stuff? I know. You, I know. Yeah, you go, you're crazy. definitely going to be spilling, you definitely spilling some tea, right? you definitely going to yeah. be talking about something. You got to get people to buy the book. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Um, But the name of the book is called Compton Street Legend. And he's boasting about his involvement as an eyewitness. Excuse me, I cannot stop yawning. Excuse me. Um, as a an eyewitness to the shooting, 
Tupac Shakur is a music legend, and his community and this community worldwide have been wanting justice for him. Um, and today we're taking that first step. This was uh, attorney Steve Wilson had said, but it was a long time coming. Shakur's family, fans, and members of the black community have been skeptical of the investigation and question why it seemed to stall year after year despite all the attention. It's a story that has captivated people for generations from now. You know, because, you know, it's funny that they said that because I've seen at least three documentaries that talk about him and Biggie, you know, both of their murders. Right. And people that they thought shot shot them. And um, when you think about it, because this particular person is 60 years old now, so which means he was about 30 years old when he did it. That's a long time for them to be kind of speculating about this. Um, they said better late than never, he, he said of arrest, but there's a concern that the people who's been most central to the murder will have escaped justice. Secures killing. The rapper was born in New York, raised in Baltimore, and moved to California. Um, well, I'm not going to read all of that, but he, he, you know, this guy. Apparently, they feel like they, they got the right guy. Um, it says. Uh, This guy apparently targeted um, Shakur. Now, I'm, I like I said, I've seen a few documentaries about who they thought shot him, and for this to become, you know, now they've got this guy, and they seem to be sure about this guy, and I just find it, I just find it interesting. What really took so long? I mean, was it this guy that, because he chose to say what he said in this in this memoir, or was it how many people were paid off not to say stuff? You know, because it just seems like there's a lot to this. 30 years, man, that's a long time for them to try to figure this cold case out. And this was a high-profile rapper, a high-profile celebrity. Not that they had. Well, we've had other celebrities that haven't been figured out. I'm sure the whole thing with Biggie. They remember they tried to say it was a cop involved with that. Mm -hmm. You know. You know. But it's just interesting that you know they figured this out. Um, So here I'm looking at the article on the AP, and they say that um, the person that they arrested. Dwayne Keefe D. Davis um, had been known to investigators as one of the four suspects identified in the early investigation. And they said that even though they're not sure. Yeah, if he's not, even if he's not the gunman, they said they believe that he helped um, the person commit the crime. So 
the, you know, basically they're saying that he was the point person, the shot caller who orchestrated the plan that was carried out. And they said that he admitted in his interview and his tell, tell all memoir, Compton Street Legend, that he provided the gun used in the drive-by shooting. So, Dave, you talk about people telling on themselves. I mean, you know, you, you don't tell on yourselves any more than that. Yeah. And that's, and hopefully, you know, he wasn't flossing and just trying to get people to buy his book by, right. by just saying a bunch of stuff, you know, because now he got himself all wrapped up in a, in a, in a court case and all this stuff. So, right. um, but that's crazy that you would, t- but like I said, you know, the stuff that people say in these rap records nowadays and, and, and these hip hop records, they tell on themselves all the time. You know, I was just uh, listening to a story. Um, what's it called, Mom? What's her name? Um, um, that has the radio program in the morning. Um, I listened to her. Um, um, gosh, that's crazy. I cannot think of her name. Um, anyway, I was listening to the program, and um, uh, she was talking about she was listening to a rap record. Uh, it was a young lady um, that a friend of hers wanted her to listen to. In the first 16 bars of the record, she said, the person admitted to sleeping with somebody's boyfriend. Right? Her girlfriend's boyfriend. You know, talking about her closest girl. And mm-hmm. says it in the record. Now, she said she didn't think anything of it until she went back and she said, you know, um, she had an interview with the young lady who did the record. And right. she said, yeah, that happened. She said, yeah, that happened. And so she said, well, aren't you worried about the girl figuring out that you're telling that you slept with this girl with her boyfriend? She said, it don't matter. It's already happened. Wow. <laughs> That's, that was a response, you know. So this is just where we are nowadays. They don't care. They don't care about the blowback. I think she said it happened like four or five years ago. She said it already happened, you know. So uh, now the dude, I'm sure, wasn't too happy to hear that. You know, I'm sure. You know, mm-hmm. so, but oh, well, this is where not. we are. This is the kind of this is the kind of culture that we have um, when it comes to these things. People just aren't afraid of the consequences and they're willing to do anything to get what they want. And this guy obviously wanted to sell some books, get some clicks, whatever. Well, now he got, so, um, if this, I don't know how they're going to prove, I don't know if they're going by his statement or whatever, or whether there was a lie detector test or whatever, but, it's just interesting that you will put yourself out there like that and think that nobody's going to pay attention. Especially somebody like Tupac, who was well beloved by a lot of people. So, right. Yeah. So, but I just thought it was interesting because, uh, the fact that it's been 30 years and I still can't get over that 1996. It just don't seem like it was that long ago. Does it? Yes, it does. It does to you. Yeah, it does. Okay. Oh, gosh. 
I and I say because I, because when I think back, I was in college. I was in I was think I was a in my third year of college. So when oh, I so you were in I, school at that time, huh? yeah. So when I associated with that date, I'm like, yeah, that was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I guess we'll hear. I'm sure we'll hear more about that story. I know that's not going away no time soon. So, all right. All right. Well, we're coming to Leonard's favorite part of the show. Uh, Dave's Corner. Um, and I, I kind of put out a philosophical question for him today. Well, all of them usually are, but this one I thought was very interesting. Um, and this is the corner question for today. Uh, Minister Farrakhan, Martin Luther King, Muhammad Ali, all walk into a room, not a bar. Okay. <laughs> and then, you know, all walk into a room and they each sit at a table that has one empty chair sitting there. You are in the room. And you are instructed that you have 10 minutes to speak with each one of them. Who do you go to first to talk to? Who would be your second choice to talk to? And who would be your third and final person to talk to? All right, so Dave, this is easy. So, I mean... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, anybody watching the show, I always talk about Farrakhan. So I'm, I'm going to Farrakhan first to, you know, okay. see what he's talking about. Now with the other two, I'm kind of on the fence, but only because I, I feel like, and I could be wrong too, because I feel like I know more about Martin Luther King. I would go to Muhammad Ali next and Martin Luther King would be third. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Yeah, Dave, what about right. you? You had the chance to sit down with Minister Louis Farrakhan, Martin Luther King Jr., and Muhammad Ali. In what order would you speak to those three individuals? I think I'm going to flip it a little bit Differently than you, I think I'm going to go to Muhammad Ali first. And why? I want to, huh? And why? What? Um, I want to know from him. I I think I want to sit down with him and just find out what gave him the courage to do what he did, which was he, you know, took a stand. And he stuck by it, even though it meant, you know, I mean, because he basically lost a lot of money during that time and, you know, really broke him down when he took that stand not to serve his country. And I would have loved to have a, a quick conversation about that with him. My second person that I would go to would be Minister Farrakhan. Why? Why Farrakhan in front of uh, King? Well, 
I just got finished talking to Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali is going to drop some words of wisdom to me, right? And, and talk to me a little bit about why he took his stand. Well, the person who influenced him, right? you know, back then was Malcolm X, who was a member of the Nation of Islam. And then I'm going to go to the Nation of Islam current leader and talk to him and get what he has to say, because I know he's going to get real deep with me and and talking about where we are in today's world as a black man. The reason I'm saving Dr. King for last is because I want to know what led him to be able to do what he did. What what kept him focused? What kept him from not wanting just to take out a gun and just start shooting people? Like people are doing. Yeah, think about it. Like people are doing today almost every other day. You know, just taking out guns and shooting people because they can't they can't hack it or they don't want to hack it. What kept him from doing something like that? And I'm pretty sure that Dr. King's going to give me an answer that's probably going to wow me and just make me say, wow. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing else that I can say, you know, right. after talking to him. So that's my order. I would go Muhammad Ali, Farrakhan and Dr. King. That would be my order. Yeah. Okay. It would be it would be fascinating though. You imagine being able to have those conversations with those guys though? No, not at all. Yeah, yeah but and you you probably walk out of that room saying, Okay, I'm done talking to people from now on, you know. <laughs> yeah. Or or you know, you walk out of that room ready for some action. You know, it's like, okay, you know, I, I I got my marching orders. I'm ready to go. Yeah, yeah. Get out of my way. <laughs> so, so, but um, I'd be curious, folks, in with you with your line, uh, how you would approach that situation, and how, who would you talk to first, or would you talk to second, and who would you talk to third, and uh. And, of course, that third conversation is probably going to be the deepest conversation and more likely because that's the reason you left it for that third, the last person, I guess. So. Mm-hmm. so, But there you have it, folks. That's our, that's our um, show for tonight. Uh, we want to thank you guys for taking the time to listen to us. Don't forget um, the weekend, you know, um, Come hang out with us at the uh, GNR campground um, grand opening. And it's just going to be a nice day of good fun and just being able to meet some people and get to know uh, the new owners of the campground, Get hopefully get a chance to explore the place. And, have, and then you can, you know, you have a place to go camping that's you know, by us, for us, and made for us, you know? So, right. um, so um, we hope to see you there that day. Um, anything you want to add? 
No, Dave, I, I think you said it all. Okay. All right. So with that, folks, we are going to say good night. And thank you for tuning in. And we'll talk to you soon. Join us next week for another edition of News and Trends with your hosts, Dave and Lynn. 